You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. I'm Pastor Danny, if you don't know who I am, and uh, we want to thank all our first-time guests and everybody that's here regularly. Just love you guys. So glad you're here. And uh, hey, didn't Jody do a great job? Don't you always love when Jody's up here? I mean, she's just so good. Just love Jody. She's such a great part of our team, and we're just grateful for her. Well, it's been a little bit of a crazy week, and I thought before we began the sermon uh, today, we would take a moment and pray for the people of Ukraine. And uh, many of you have, um, probably all of you, have been watching the news and uh, just very disturbing events in our world. And uh, when I look at this, I mean, I have a bit of a history, uh, background in history. I have a master's degree in history. So when I look at this, I sort of see history repeating itself. And so very, very concerning uh, that uh, what we're seeing. But aren't you impressed with the people of Ukraine that are just uh, standing firm against oppression? As I look at the uh, people in uh, Kiev and the people of Ukraine that are rising up against this unprovoked aggression, uh, it just really inspires me to think about our roots as a country, that we fought for freedom. And um, when I think about this, my biggest concern, of course, is that we would have a strong leadership raised up to confront the oppression that's going on right now. Very, very important because what we need to always realize, if you know history, you know when Neville Chamberlain met with Hitler, uh, he appeased Hitler. And Hitler said after he met with Neville Chamberlain, I met with the worms and uh, not really respecting the leadership of the day. So we really need to pray for God to raise up strong leadership to begin to uh, withstand that because you don't negotiate with a bully, you punch him in the nose. So that's very important in my opinion. So <clears throat> and I realize we need wisdom and it's complicated and all that, but we still must have great strength right now. And I'd like to ask you to stand. We're going to have the Ukrainian flag on this on the screens here. And uh, we're going to stand with our friends. There's a lot of believers in Ukraine. Uh, I saw video images of uh, Christians in the train stations and in the subways worshiping the Lord and praying and seeking the Lord. And it says in the book of uh, Psalms, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. So what we need to pray is when the enemy comes in, we need to pray for the Spirit of the Lord to raise up a standard, a force against that enemy. So uh, would you lift your hands with me as we pray for our world uh, that's very unstable right now, and let's pray for God's grace on our country and on, especially on Ukraine. Father, we thank you. First of all, we, we just feel connection with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine uh, many uh, that are believers in you and love you and are praying for their country and are fighting in the streets. Uh, just hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that weren't trained militarily but have taken up arms to protect their country and their city. So we pray that you would help them. 
Lord, we think of the many battles in the Old Testament where uh, Israel was outnumbered, and yet you in grace gave them great victory over, uh, over superior forces. So God, we pray for you to protect those old men that are holding guns and those women that are holding guns and those untrained people that are holding guns to protect our country. We pray that you'll give them great strength and give them victory and protect them. We pray against this oppression over our globe. We pray that you'll protect us from nuclear warfare. We pray that you'll watch over us. And we pray that you'll use these global events to awaken us, Lord, to awaken us of our need for you. And that how unstable we are without the great God of Israel who watches over those who, and you never slumber nor sleep, but you always stand with those that, are, that fear you and honor your name. So we ask your blessing on us, and we ask your blessing on our country, and ask you to raise up great leadership within our own country. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before you're seated, uh, a couple weeks ago, Karen and I were, were in Easton. We went to a Garrison Keillor show, and um, he sang some patriotic songs. And, and we were with, you know, a couple hundred people, about 500 people, and we sang some songs I haven't sung since the sixth grade. And uh, I don't know if they still sing patriotic songs in school, but they need to because we need to love our country. And uh, I want us to sing My Country, Tis of Thee. How many remember that song? And uh, it's something about singing as Americans and collectively. So let's just sing that, and we're going to sing it a cappella. We're going to be Mennonite here right now. We're going to sing this a cappella. Ready? My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside let freedom ring. My native country, the land of the noble three, thy name I love. I love thy rocks and rills, the woods and templed hills. My heart with rapture thrill like that above. Let music swell the breeze and ring from all the trees sweet freedom song. Let mortal tongues await, let all that breath partake, let rocks their silence break, the sound prolong. One more verse. Our Father God, to Thee, author of liberty, to Thee we sing. Long may our land be bright, with freedom's holy light, protect us by thy might, great God our King. All right, that was wonderful. You guys sang great. Before you're seated, just turn to your neighbor behind you and around you. Let's just uh, greet him real loudly. Don't have to hug him. We're in COVID and all that. But just tell him, hey, I think you look good. You're losing weight. You look great. Just tell him that.
All right, you can be seated. Well, we are in part two of our uh, series called Liberated, and this is uh, a study that's based on the book of Galatians, one of my favorite books, and this was Martin Luther's very favorite book, Martin Luther, the great reformer, uh, who said that he was married to this book. This was his favorite book. Now, what's interesting about this book is in this little book of six chapters, 32 times the, the word law is used. 32 times the word law is used. 21 times the word faith is used. So this is a book that talks about two ways, two options to find righteousness and find right relationship with the Lord. One option is to try to do the law, to keep the law. The other option is to put faith in what Jesus has done on the cross for us and to find freedom and grace in that grace that he's provided for us. Now, James puts up the epistle of James, which is a good book to read beside the book of Galatians. James says that it's impossible for us to keep the law. And he says in chapter 2 of James, he said, if you're going to go for the law, you have to keep all the law. You can't keep some of the law. You have to keep all of the law. You can't, you know, say, well, I'm going to try to keep as much of the law as I can. But James says, if you're going to rely on the law for your salvation, the Ten Commandments or the... uh, you know, 360 or or 620 laws that are in the Old Testament, if you're going to rely on those for your salvation and your right relationship with the Lord, it's an all-inclusive proposition. You have to keep all of those laws. And so you can't find righteousness through the law. You have to find righteousness through Jesus and his death on the cross. When he died on the cross, the last thing he said was, it's finished, it's completed. There's nothing to add to that in order to be saved. When I was uh, in high school, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you this, but uh, in gym class, I, I don't think I was a total wimp, but in gym class, there was one thing I couldn't do. I couldn't climb the rope when they would drop the rope down from the ceiling And I don't know if you remember gym class that you had to scurry up that rope and you had to touch the ceiling. And some little kids, they were like monkeys. They just went up there. They were no, they they didn't have any trouble at all. But for me, I could not climb that rope. I mean, I was climbing as far as I could, hard as I could, and I was like that far off the ground. I just could not climb that rope. And it was it, it was impossible for me. And I never ever succeeded and climbing the rope. I mean, I know you're supposed to wrap your leg around it and put your pressure on the rope and skimmy up, and, and I just could not climb the rope. I could not pull it off. And when Paul is talking to us about the law, he's telling us that we cannot achieve righteousness. We can't reach up to heaven by self-effort. We have to have that provided for us through the death of Jesus on the cross. So, The question must come about then, what is the purpose of the law? What is the purpose of the law? Why did God give us the Ten Commandments? Why did God give us those 620 commandments in the Old Testament? Why were they given? In fact, Jesus expanded on the commandments. You know, Jesus, when he is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he says that it's, you know, it's not enough that you don't commit murder, 
He said, if you have hatred in your heart, you've already committed murder in your heart and you're guilty of breaking the commandments. So Jesus says it's not simply your actions, it's your thoughts. If we're going to rely on the law, we have to be perfect not only in action but in attitude and thought as well. And the famous uh, commandment that Jesus expanded on, if you, uh, it's not if you just commit adultery, but if you have an impure thought in your mind, you are guilty of committing adultery. So Jesus isn't telling us those things in the Sermon on the Mount to make it harder. And he's not saying try harder, try harder. He's just revealing to us the inadequacy that we have already in not keeping the law. So what is the law for? The law is not to remove sin, but to reveal sin. The law is not to remove sin, but it's to reveal sin. So when you think about the purpose of the law, the purpose of the law was to show us that we were broken and that we needed forgiveness. The reason the Ten Commandments are listed there is to show us how unrighteous we are before a holy God. God is holy. God is righteous. He is pure. And in him, the book of John says, there is no darkness of it all. God is completely holy and completely righteous. The gospel is not, Jesus loves you, he cares about you, you're okay. Because he loves you so much, he's going to let you into heaven and he's going to get you in right relationship with him. He's just going to overlook your sin. That is not the gospel. The gospel is, you have broken the law of God. I have broken the law of God. I am guilty And I need to be forgiven of my sins. And the only way I can be forgiven of my sins is to look upon the cross, looking unto Jesus, the book of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So what is the purpose of the law? It's not to remove sin, it's to reveal sin. So when I was a kid, one of the best memories I ever had as a kid was uh, I had... We had horses growing up. My dad had a couple quarter horses, and he rode horses, and we had friends that rode horses. And when I was a little boy, about, about 11 years old, I got a pony. I got a black pony, and her name was Missy. And the first time I rode this pony, the pony tried to buck me off, and, uh, but you know, we got things worked out eventually. And I would come home from school every day and ride that pony. And one day... I came home from school and uh, saddled her up and put the blanket on and then the saddle on, then the bridle on and hopped on her and ran across, uh, we cantered across the cornfields and uh, rode all around the farms that I, where I lived. And we were coming home uh, and uh, Missy, and if you know horses, you know, when they get near their, their home, they, they, they break, they want to get home. They know, they have a honing device. They want to get back to the, the stall and get some grain or whatever. And so I'm riding her down a road, and she just takes a sharp left because she wants to get home. And I kept going straight. <laughs> and I, I fell on my wrist, and it swole up really bad, and it was really painful. And so the next day, you know, my mom looked at it, and they took me to the hospital, and they x-rayed my wrist was my left arm 
They x-rayed my wrist and it was fractured. And so I had to get a cast on for, for like uh, six weeks and had all the pretty girls at school sign it. And it was a pretty neat time to get all that attention. But the purpose and the function of the x-ray machine was not to fix my arm. The purpose of the x-ray machine was to show that I had a fractured wrist. The purpose of the law was to show that we are broken so that we can receive salvation through Jesus. So if you came today and you're thinking, well, hey, I'm turning over a new leaf and I'm going to try to do better and I'm going to start going to church, which is a really good thing to do. There was a recent study that came out of Harvard that said you are much more likely to stay in your marriage and be successful in your marriage if you come to church regularly. Really interesting study. Joel just sent, sent it to me. Uh, it's like 64% uh, better chances to stay married if you go to church together every Sunday. So coming to church is a good thing. But coming to church will never make you right with the Lord. You can never show your attendance sheet before the Lord and say, I went to Bayshore, you know, almost every Sunday. And I served on the host team and I did this and I did that. Because that is insufficient to be right with God. We can only be right with God when we put our full weight and dependence on, on the Lord as our salvation. So the purpose of the law is to reveal sin, not to remove sin. Say it with me. The purpose of the law is to reveal sin, not to remove sin. Do you remember, uh, if you're older, older, do you remember the Beverly Hillbillies? You remember the Beverly Hillbillies on TV? How many are old enough to remember the Beverly Hillbillies on TV? I think they started out black and white, and then they became they was in color eventually. But you know, Jed, you know, he he's discovered oil, I think, in Kentucky, and they moved to California, Hollywood, and they're living in a big mansion, and they're so out of place. They're still dressed in their old, you know, old Kentucky clothes and all that. But they don't know, they live in this mansion, but they don't know what it's for. They don't, when the doorbell rings, they don't even know it's a doorbell. They don't know why it keeps ringing. He said, every time it rings, there's somebody at the door. They don't, they can't connect the dots. <laughs> but one of the things about them is they have a billiard room. And in the billiard room, they don't know what a billiard table is, and they think it's a dining room table. So what they do is, is they have dinner on the billiard table and they don't know what the pool sticks are for and what they do is Jed cars some notches in the pool sticks and they think the pool sticks are for passing pots uh, during the meal. How many remember that? So they, 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 they don't know, they, they call them pot passers and they're really billiard pool sticks and they don't know what they're for. And most of us don't know what the law is for. We don't understand what it's for. We don't understand the purpose of it. So what is the alternative that Paul talks about in this book? What is the alternative for, uh, for the law? The alternative, there's two alternatives. The alternative for the law is this. Is it's not, if, if the word uh, law occurs 32 times in the book of Galatians, the other word that counterpunches that word is the word belief. 
Salvation comes never by doing anything, but simply by believing. And so Paul uses this example. And he uses an example out of Genesis chapter 15. And I'm going to read to you the key verse here in, uh, in the book of Galatians that kind of helps us with this. It says in Galatians 3, verses 1 through 6, You foolish Galatians, who bewitched you before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it is really was in vain? So again, I ask you, does God give his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law? Here it is. Or by believing what you heard. And verse 6 is the most important verse in the book. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So that's the key verse. Uh, Paul says that in order for us to be justified in right relationship with God, we must believe the gospel. We must believe the gospel. He says in the book at other places, he said, Christ was clearly portrayed before you as crucified. So evidently when Paul was preaching to them, he preached to them about the cross, about Jesus dying on the cross, about being the substitutionary death on the cross for us. When you think about Jesus on the cross and that horrible death, that is what should have happened to us because we broke the law. And because we broke the law, the wages of sin is death, it says in the book of Romans. So when Jesus died on the cross, he's actually experiencing our punishment for us in our place, the substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross. Paul said the gospel is to believe that God is righteous and that because we have broken the righteous laws of God, Jesus, who was perfectly righteous, went on the cross and he experienced the judgment that you and I should have experienced. In order to have salvation, we believe that. We believe that. We put our confidence in that. So when we believe what Jesus did, in place of that belief or in exchange for that belief, we receive something. So if you like go to... Uh, before the Lord, you try to live your life and you try to do all this good stuff to try to achieve righteousness. You can't, you can't get a little bit of it. you got to get it all. I'm, I'm taking a, a doctoral studies course now through Liberty University. And uh, uh, I've been doing really good on this course I'm taking, uh, getting good grades and all that. But the other day I wrote a paper and I got an 89 out of 100 an 89 out of 100. I missed some citations and didn't do it quite right. And so the wrath of Liberty University came on me. <laughs> and uh, I called the professor and talked to her about what I did wrong. And, and uh, there was no end to what I'd done wrong, according to her. You know, so we just went through that. I learned a lot. And uh, 89 is, I think, a low B, a low B, like a B minus, like a B hanging on for its life. But... You know, that's passing, but when you come to the Lord, 
An 89 will never get you in right relationship with the Lord. Never get to heaven. It will never get you to heaven. Uh, and beyond that, it will never get you in right relationship with the Lord here on the earth. It would never do it. If you get a 95, it will never, ever do it. If you get a 99.9, not enough. You have to have complete righteousness. And so when Paul said in this verse, he said, uh, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now Paul quotes this here in Galatians. He quotes it here in, uh, in Romans, Romans 4, 3, same thing. And in Galatians 3, 6, he quotes that. And it's from Genesis chapter 15. And Genesis chapter 15 is where uh, Abraham had just gone in chapter 14 to fight against all these northern kings that came against him. And, uh, and God gave him victory, a, a great victory against, uh, against overwhelming odds against this army. And he comes back. The Lord gave him victory. And, and, and he's walking uh, outside and he's talking to the Lord. And he said, Lord, and the Lord said to him, he said, I'm going to be your, your reward. I'm going to be your shield and your very great reward. God spoke to Abraham. I'm going to be your shield. Probably Abraham is thinking, you know, I just made a bunch of people mad. These armies mad and maybe they're going to come back and retaliate, uh, bring retaliation against me. And so he was afraid. And God came to Abraham and he said, I'm going to be your shield. I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to be your great reward. And then Abraham was honest with the Lord. He said, well, Lord, I know you're going to bless me, but you know, I'm 85 years old. I'm 85 years old, and you promised me a child, and I don't have a child. And so my heir is going to be Eliezer of Damascus, my, my servant. That's going to be my heir. And the Lord said to Abraham, he's not going to be your heir. I'm going to give you a child out of your own body. And Abraham, look at the stars in the sky. Just as the stars are in the sky, you can't count them. So am I going to make your children. You're going to be a father of a multitude of nations. And here's what it says. Abraham believed what God said, and it was credited to him as righteousness. God made Abraham righteous because he believed what God said to him. Now, here's the deal. Abraham is 85 years old when he had that experience, and God said, I'm going to make you righteous because you believe what I said. 85 years old. He was not circumcised until he was 99 years old. So his circumcision, which was a sign of the covenant, had nothing to do, had nothing to do with his righteousness. And these people at Galatia that are coming behind Paul says, you've got to be circumcised in order to be saved. Paul is brilliantly saying that's absolutely wrong because Abraham was made righteous 14 years before he was circumcised. And Abraham says this, or Paul says this in the book of Galatians. He says this, he said, by the way, after Abraham was made righteous because he believed God, and say that with me, Abraham was made righteous because he believed. And say this with me. I will be made righteous because I believe. When Abraham was made righteous, how long was it before the law came? Before Moses came on the scene? 430 years later. 
So Abraham's righteousness had nothing to do with the law. God was showing us in the Old Testament it was never going to be through the law. Because Abraham was made righteous before he was circumcised, before the law even came into existence. So you will be made righteous, not by trying to do good things, not by trying to, you know, accumulate really virtuous things in your life and doing all this, and then kind of show your resume to God. If you try to show your resume to God, the Bible says with all our righteousness on our best day, it's nothing but filthy rags. We are completely unrighteous before a holy God outside of Jesus. And that's why I said last week, the Christian life is not about trying to do stuff, trying to do more good stuff. It's about living in celebration of what Jesus has done for you. And so you celebrate through your Christian life everything that God has done for you, and you live out of joy, and you live righteously, not because you're trying to earn points with God, but you live righteously because you have been made righteous, and God has given you a new nature inside, which we'll talk about more next week. So we are made righteous by believing, not by doing. Say it with me. We will be made righteous by believing, not by doing. Let's quote one more verse before we kind of wrap it up today. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Let's quote this together, and I'll lead you in it, and uh, you can follow me after. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace we have been saved through faith, not of works. Let's say that one more time. Not of works. One more time. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For it is by grace we're saved through faith, not of ourselves. And then it says in verse 10, which we'll talk about next week, we've been saved unto good works. Been saved unto good works. So here's the, uh, the options. This is the essence of the gospel. And the word believe is the word uh, pastuo in the Greek. And you don't have to know Greek to read the Bible or whatever that, but it, it's an interesting word. Pastuo is the word for believe, and that word that occurs 21 times in the book of Galatians, believe, is not simply to have mental sense. I believe there is a God. It doesn't mean that, you know, I believe there is a Colorado and, a, and that there is a, uh, you know, the Rocky Mountains. It's not mental assent. It is reliance upon. Reliance upon. So when you think about salvation, you've got these two options. You've got this chair, uh, law and works. And so if you rely on something, you put your weight and you depend on it. So this is one way you can approach salvation. You can approach salvation through law and works. You can say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like, try harder. I'm going to do better. And, you know, there's a guy that uh, one of our staff members said recently that uh, this staff member came up and said to them, not the staff member, but someone uh, that we're mentioning to in one of our campuses, said, I hope that when I get to heaven that I've done enough good things to outweigh the bad things. We call this the scale paradigm. You put a scale, we've got a picture of a scale, or a scale paradigm. That means you, got, you put more good things on one side and you get, then you'd put uh, bad things on the other side. And if you have that scale balance there, then uh, you know, if you got more good, you're going to be okay. That is perversion of the gospel. The gospel is not a scale thing. 
The gospel is Jesus only. And so I could sit in this chair and depend on, I'm going to try to be a better person. I'm going to try to, you know, help little ladies across the street. I'm going to, you know, coach a little league. Uh, I'm going to, you know, do more good things. I'm going to serve, in which all that's good to serve and all that. We don't want all of our servants, to people that are serving today, to quit. We don't want you to do that. But it's not the means by which you're in right relationship with the Lord. So works do not work. The other thing is grace, and grace is receiving. So we have to choose what chair you sit in. You can sit in the chair that says law and works, or you can sit in the chair that's grace and say, Jesus, you have done it all for me, and I receive your full salvation. And you live out of that sense of well-being that it's grace. Somebody said that grace means this. Grace is God's riches, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. How many are grateful for what Jesus has done for you? Amen. I used to read this, uh, I had this book years ago when I first went in the ministry, this book by Keith Miller called New Wine. And the book, I, I can't remember much about the book. It was a little book, a little hardback book, and I read the book. And it had one story in it that I've told probably 500 times in my ministry, and I love this story. It's about this, it's about this, uh, this priest, this Catholic priest, that was having these visions of Jesus, and uh, he kept having Jesus appear to him. And so he went to his bishop, his overseer, and he, he confided in his bishop that he's having these mystical, mystical visions of Jesus. And the bishop was a bit of a skeptic and didn't believe that he was having these visions of Jesus, thought he was a little crazy, a little flaky. And he said to the priest, he said, well, listen, if, uh, if, if that ever happens again and Jesus does appear to you, I want you to ask Jesus this question, what was the bishop's sin before he became a bishop? And the, uh, the priest said, absolutely, I'll do that. And he said, I got it, I'll, I'll ask him that. About three weeks later, the bishop came in his office and then the waiting area, there was that priest. And he thought, oh my goodness, this crazy priest has had another vision of Jesus. And so the priest came into his office and the bishop uh, said, well, did Jesus appear to you again? He said, yes, Jesus appeared to me again. And then the bishop with a lump in his throat, he said, did you uh, ask him what I told you to ask him? And the priest said, yes, I did. And then the bishop swallowed even harder and he said, well, what did he say? And he said, Jesus said, I don't remember I don't remember. When you put your faith in Jesus, he chooses to make you righteous and not hold you guilty anymore. And he chooses to forget all of your sins so you can live a new life. If any man be in Christ, it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Everything passes away, and behold, everything becomes new. Every day I wake up, 
I look at my life and my progress and how I'm doing with the Lord. I had one of my dear brothers here come to pray with me this morning uh, before I preached. And a uh, dear brother that always prays for me every Sunday comes up and prays for me. And he was praying. He said, Lord, help us because we're so inadequate and we still fail in so many ways and we're still so incomplete. And I just agreed with his prayer. We're still under construction. We're still being made more like Jesus and we still have faults and we still fumble and we still make mistakes. But in all of that, right at this moment, I am totally righteous before God because I believe in what Jesus has done for me. And you may have had an inconsistent week. And maybe I could have you stand up. And this would really be a great way to end this service. We all stand up and we just confess the sins and the way we lost it this week. And how we got mad at somebody on Route 1 because they pulled in front of us. Or maybe some thought we had that we should have had. And we could have go through. And how many know that that would be an interesting service if we all just confessed our sins right now? Anybody want to go first? Anybody want to go first? But let me just say this. In all of that, as we're being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, we live our life not out of trying to climb the rope and get to the top. We live our life out of already being made righteous. And if you're here today and you have never believed, or maybe you've never understood the gospel, and you're still trying to climb the rope. Today, what you need to do is to say, I'm not waiting any longer. I'm going to believe what Jesus did for me. And as you believe, like Abraham looking at the stars, when you believe what Jesus has done for you, instantly, at that moment, without any delay, you will be made 100% righteous before a holy God. And if the Lord came right now and we're all snatched up into heaven, if you believe in the rapture and all that, if that were to happen right now, you say, boy, I didn't like have it perfect this week. No problem. You're going to stand before a holy God and you are righteous because Jesus has made you righteous. Would you lift your hands with me right now as we close our service and as the Holy Spirit just ministers to us, lift your hands and Thank the Lord right now for your status, your, your legal status before a God in heaven. You are holy. You are righteous. The Bible says when Paul wrote to the, the, the Philippians, he said he called them saints. They were saints before a holy God. They weren't saints because they were perfect. They were holy ones because God had made them holy. So, Father God, we thank you that we have been made righteous because we believe like Abraham. We ask you to help us. As we grow in our faith, we ask you, Lord, to pour out your grace and your spirit upon us. And I pray for anybody that's here this morning that does not know you. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you haven't believed in him, right now, right where you are, you don't have to come forward. You don't have to put a red hat on and walk in front of everybody. You can right where you are and just say, I believe in Jesus. That's, I put my full belief in what he did on the cross for me personally. So let's pray this out loud together to help our friends that are receiving Jesus right now. Let's just pray this out loud. Let's pray this. Lord Jesus, I believe what you did for me. It's not of my works, not of my effort.
but it's of you only. You died on the cross as a perfect sacrifice for me. And I believe you did that. And I believe you're the son of God. And I believe that you've been raised from the dead. And here's the last part. The last part is we confess that Jesus is Lord. I want you to say it out loud right now. Lift your hands high. Make Jesus Lord of your life. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. You're my king. You're my master. I give myself to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Oh, man. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Hallelujah. So next week, we're going to be talking about, uh, so if it's grace, can we live and do whatever we want to? We're going to talk about that next week. You don't want to miss next week. Very important message. I love you guys. You are the very best. Bayshore is the best place. We love you guys. And uh, you guys have a great week. And uh, no song at the end of the day. Uh, and you guys have a wonderful weekend. And we'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only He can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.